0: In our sermon. As always, kids are welcome to stay here with us. In two passages, uh, just a few verses uh, from uh, each book, we'll be in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 34, and then we'll be flipping uh, almost to the very end of Scripture, Revelation 11, verses 15 through 17. Before we get to our text this morning, I want you to imagine that you live in a time and era where you long for a great king to return. This is the theme of a number of medieval stories and legends, and perhaps the most well-known is the story of King Arthur, the legendary English king from the 6th century century that unlike Charlemagne, who we aren't sure actually lived, we know that Arthur actually existed. King Arthur can be found in older poetry as a great warrior who battles the natural and supernatural enemies of the British crown. And in the 12th century, a whole body of literature emerged about Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and their quest for the Holy Grail. These stories are centered around the idea of a great legendary king who will return and restore peace to the kingdom. Tolkien uses this same theme in his epic, The Lord of the Rings. The great ancient kingdom of Gondor is about to fall, but the dream of a new king and a new beginning is still alive. The notion that the king will return or that the former glory of the kingdom may be restored in a new form come from this medieval notion, what is called the translatio imperi, that the empire would be transferred or continued in a new form. And as C.S. Lewis reminds us, all great stories and longings point to a much greater, a much truer story. And as we reflect on the first advent, the first coming of our great king, we're reminded that the people of God had been waiting and waiting and waiting. They had endured destruction of their land and homes. Many had been removed by force from their homeland and exiled in lands far, far away. Generations later, they had returned back home, but it just wasn't the same. But through it all, they held on to a promise, a story. A story of a greater king. One who would return, save them from their enemies, and restore the kingdom. That he would be their strong defense, and he would be their peace. We live... In a not so dissimilar time, we see destruction, pain, suffering, evil. And yet we live in a different time. We know that the the king has come, but he's gone away for a little while. And we wait, tending to the work. Of the kingdom until he, re- until he returns to restore peace and joy and love and hope to the kingdom. The promise that the people of God held on to through the hundreds of years waiting and longing is similar to the promise we hold today. The promise given to them was fulfilled in the first advent of our Lord Jesus Christ and so we... Like them, hold on to the promise of our King that has come and will return and finish the work that was started. So let's read Luke 1, 32 through 34, and then flip over to Revelation 11, 15 through 17. This is the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary. He will be great, will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And then flipping over to Revelation 11, verses 15 through 17. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet And there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word became flesh in Jesus Christ who dwelt among us, who lived, died, and rose again, proclaiming victory over Satan, sin, and death, ascended to the throne of heaven, and sits as king and ruler over all nations who will once again come to judge the living and the dead to make all things right. Lord, we pray Lord, that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear to know this King of glory to follow him and to wait with expectant hope of his return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, today we wrap up our Advent series that was titled Christ as Prophet, Priest, and King. And last week we looked at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 5, verse 10. And we saw that we need a high priest. We need someone like us from among us to serve as our mediator before God, someone who can sympathize with our weaknesses, yet, unlike previous priests, without sin. And instead of offering sacrifices on our behalf, he offers himself up on our behalf. And because Jesus is our great high priest, we can draw near to the throne of grace. We saw his credentials as our great high priest, and we saw his work as our great high priest. We've seen Jesus in his humanity, one like us. We've seen how Jesus is a prophet like Moses, yet even greater than Moses. And last week, as I just reminded us, the high priest that we need. But we also need a king. We need a king. And that might be somewhat difficult for us to... Realize and to understand we're so used to complaining about and doubting our leaders that it can be difficult for us to comprehend our need for a king. And let's face it, we live in a country that we are so proud that we don't have a king, right? We celebrate year after year that we do not have a king. We shoot fireworks off. We roast hot dogs. We have... We celebrate the fact that we are not ruled by a king. The idea of a king is something, as the kids say, is cringeworthy. Do the kids still say, I don't know. (laughs) In fact, we, we celebrate this. And yet, Scripture repeatedly tells us that we need a king, but not just any king a king that perfectly leads, perfectly defends, perfectly rules his people. And that's our main point today is that Jesus is our promised and perfect king. Jesus is our promised and perfect king. In Luke 1:32 through 34, the entire Old Testament is about to be realized. The words of the angel to Mary He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. The conception and birth of Jesus fulfills this promise of the history of the nation of Israel as well as the promises God issued to his people through the prophets long ago. All of God's prior saving activity finds its source and culmination in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the culmination of the line of David, the great king of Israel. All the promises of God in the Old Testament are now coming to fulfillment in Christ. The promise Of an everlasting kingdom, the house of David that we read of in Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. It's reflected in the words, the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will be king over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And despite David's sin and Sin upon sin upon sin that we saw in our series in the prophet Elijah of the royal succession. God's redemptive plan was not thwarted. It was accomplished through Jesus. Jesus will reign over the house of David and over all nations forever forever. This is his birthright. This is the promise of the king to come, the one who has come to us. And it is him. We know it is him because this is the fulfillment of the promise that a virgin will give birth to a son. This is the sign of that we were given in the prophet Isaiah, that the one who had come to fulfill all those promises would be born, virgin born. He is the one. He is the king. Unlike any king that we've ever known or seen or experienced. Jesus, is the promised and the perfect king. And we see this, this perfection coming to fruition in Revelation 11 verses 15 through 17. The proclamation of those in heaven, of the voices in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. The proclamation and replacement of the kingdom of the world by our Lord and of his Christ, right? God has always been sovereign and has worked out his plan throughout history, but the rebellion of evil is finally crushed. It is all in the past tense here in John's writing in Revelation. It is all in the past tense that the event is certain. It is as good as having already occurred. And it is no temporary kingdom. It is not something that will come and go. God will reign forever and ever. in chapter in verse 17 they give thanks to the lord god almighty who is and who was for you have taken your great power and begun to reign notice there is no who is to come because the time to come is now present it is in the perfect tense and it indicates that god has taken power immediately and permanently He has dethroned evil and has entered into his forever and ever reign. I don't know about you, but I cannot read (laughs) these verses without hearing the Hallelujah chorus from Handel's Messiah in the background. For he shall reign forever and ever. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah forever and ever. What's interesting about the Hallelujah Chorus, the, I, had, I had sung the Hallelujah Chorus in, 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 in choirs that I had been a part of. I had you know loved that piece of work for years. When Megan and I were living in Washington, D.C., we went to see the Messiah performed at the National Cathedral. And as we're sitting there, I had never really understood the entire work of the Messiah. And I'm sitting there going, okay, when when, when is this coming? It's like, you know, there's, there's the first part. And then there's an intermission. And then there's a second part. And the second part is where the Hallelujah Chorus comes in. There's still a whole third part of Handel's Messiah to come. I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, I think of, oh, this is the end. <laughs> the end has come. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But as Handel so rightly understood, this is not the end. Right, as John receives this revelation, the king is on the throne and he shall reign forever and ever It is not something at the end that will then happen. It is now and will happen forever and ever. His reign that lasts forever and ever is not the end of the story. His reign that lasts forever and ever was started and initiated in his ascension to the throne of heaven. The victory of Jesus is the awakening and purifying and restoring and gladdening of all things. His kingdom is the only final answer to poverty, hunger, injustice, illiteracy, and all the other sorrows we have created in this world. Of war and famine and strife. And how long is his rule and reign forever and ever. How far do the effects of his victory go? As far as the curse is found as we sang in our opening hymn this morning, Joy to the World. I'll share a quote that I shared many years ago by Ray Ortland because it reminds me of a question I got when I was a youth and children's pastor. Murray's, but I got a question from a little boy, and I think it's really pertinent today, who asked, will there be soccer in heaven? Ortland says, his grace will add sparkle to World Cup soccer. Classical guitar, business ventures, monopoly with the kids, everything human to the greater glory of God. The problem with this gospel is not that it is too small to deserve our faith. Its beauty and magnitude surpass our faith. But we have a reason to believe this audacious gospel. We saw the future glory and the resurrected G- Jesus on that Easter Sunday long ago. That is a knowable event in our past and his immoral, immortal newness on that day was the future in advance on public display. We have a glorious kingdom that has begun now and will last forever and ever. And the first foretaste of that kingdom is here: that we, God's people, are to be actively pursuing the coming of the kingdom. Jesus has come. He has given us his mission while he is away. He is coming and with him, the fullness of the kingdom will come. Even now, the fullness of his kingdom is only an inch away. Do you realize that? If we, like the servant of Elisha were given eyes to see, the kingdom of our God would be at hand. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels ready at a moment's notice, at the word of the king, to come now. Go. the fullness of the kingdom is just an inch away. It is so close, you can almost touch it, feel it, taste it. All that stands between the present moment and the promised future is the command of the king. He's not waiting for favorable, favorable conditions and human social evolution. He's not waiting for things to get better and better and better. He is not waiting for any of those things. He is waiting for the fullness of time to come. All he has to do is give the order and Christ will come to judge the living and the dead, to save and to rule because he himself is our peace. This picture is beautiful, unimaginable really. Is it true? Might seem like some fairy tale, some story. But as I mentioned earlier, C.S. Lewis says, all the best stories, all the best fairy tales. Imagine a world that is unimaginable, and yet they all point to this story. They all point to all the bad things coming untrue. This picture is one of no sin, which the fullest manifestation of peace is to be seen we read these words with grateful hearts, for we know that one day we too shall enjoy these blessings in their fullest sense. And we shall enjoy them not only because of the work of Emmanuel, the one who was born of Jesse's root and who is the, won the great battle of Calvary, slew the wicked, that he gave himself as a ransom for sin, If you are in Christ Jesus today, this is your hope and stay. This is your king and his kingdom is yours. Behold your king and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For our King Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see that the coming of your kingdom is but an inch away. Lord, help us to live with expectant hope. That at your word, in the fullness of time, at your word, Lord God, all things would be renewed in the person and work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. Lord, may the work of our hands, the hope of our spirit, Lord, be informed. Be be modeled after our glorious King Jesus who has come and is coming again. Hallelujah, hallelujah, forever.